episode 367, Hawkeye, season one, episode four, Partners. Am I right? Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I am Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here as one of three people who just really enjoys talking about fun superhero stuff, specifically fun superhero stuff from the Marvel Universe, specifically fun superhero stuff from the Marvel Universe's MCU, which is, yeah, I just was doing a little bit of repetition there because marvel universe marvel doesn't matter i'm ben there's Stuart right over there hey guys how are you there's samantha right over there hello and together we are welcome to level seven the podcast you ready to talk about some hawkeye <laughs> yeah right. sure it was a great episode yeah yeah so not a lot of of uh preamble here but we are going to just say as far as spoilers go, we do have a spoiler policy. You might be aware of it already, but if not, if we've talked about it on this podcast, we are not going to talk about it, or we are going to talk about it in this episode. We, we have the option. We have the option to. If we have not talked about it on this podcast, we will probably not talk about it because that'd be a spoiler. <laughs> and that means there's a bunch of Netflix stuff that I don't know when we're going to talk about it on this podcast <laughs> as it's leaving Netflix. So... Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so the byline for this podcast should be welcome to level seven. No, we're not covering the Netflix stuff, but yes, we still believe it's in the MCU. It's true. It's very true. We do believe it's in the MCU. Oh my. So this episode, we are following up directly from the previous episode of Hawkeye that ended with Hawkeye with a sword to his throat. Are we going to get some sort of epic battle between Hawkeye and the swordsman? Who is low rent TV? <laughs> Paul F. Tompkins. <laughs> Paul F. Tompkins. Which... I, I have to be careful because really low rent TV Paul F. Tompkins is, as we've said before, Paul F. Tompkins. But yes. Yes. Uh, and I love me some Paul F. Tompkins, but I how much more low too. rent can you get? <laughs> I do, too. Hey, he's peanut butter on, on Bojack Horseman, and he is amazing. <laughs> he is amazing I... in that. Uh, and then he's also done some Riff Tracks stuff with the Riff Tracks guys when mm -hmm. they do Riff Tracks shorts. And yeah, yeah. He's a funny guy. Really funny guy. Big, big Trek nerd. Oh, really? Huge Trek nerd. Yeah, he co-hosts uh, the official Star Trek podcast with... Um, Does he really? One of the... Oh. Yeah, one of the, the huh. Tawny Newsom from Lower Decks. And I think he's done some Lower Decks stuff, too. That would not surprise me. That would not nope. surprise me at all. <laughs> so we, there's, there's the Star Trek reference for today. That's all we needed. That's all we needed. So we go from the sword to the throat to... 
a sword on a table <laughs> and they're all just sitting around the table talking. It's mom. It's Paul F. Tompkins. It's Hawkeye. <laughs> and it's Kate. And they're talking basically trying to figure out what, what are these two people doing? What is Hawkeye and Kate? Who are they? What are they doing? Is her daughter a superhero? Because Hawkeye clearly is an Avenger. And yeah, it's, this is the, this is the conversation you have when you walk into your house and you see your daughter with a boy and you're like, what's going on? Why are you in my house with a boy? Except it's not just a boy. It's a almost middle-aged it's man an Avenger. who's also an <laughs> Avenger. Who's right. married and has a son who is almost Kate's age. Not far <laughs> right. off really. But it's still the, what, what's funny about it is they, they, they're they're framing it and and presenting it in that sort of uncomfortable family yeah. type of way. That's hilarious to me. Yeah, uh, it without the sound on, you could look at this and be like, "Oh, what is this? Is this a romantic comedy where it's lots of uh, uh, misunderstandings and and all that kind of thing?" Right. And it's not. What you end up instead is having Kate have. She has to uh, defend herself and defend what she's doing. And Hawkeye has to explain himself <laughs> and explain what he's doing. But it ends with a threat. Uh, it's a it's not a threat of violence, but it is absolutely mom saying, no, don't do this. Leave my daughter out of your shenanigans. And yeah, she's she's not happy, even though I've got the most shenanigans going on. But we're not going to talk about her shenanigans because her shenanigans no. haven't come up in the episodes yet. So, well, she did. She did make a mysterious phone call at the end. That is true. So that is true. And I'm still not on board with the idea that uh, low rent Paul F. Tompkins is not a bad guy. Well, as of this point. As we're I watching, still think he's a bad guy. I definitely thought he was. But yes. you do realize, though, he was like Hawkeye in the comics. They were kind of vil- – they were both villains. But then they also both became Avengers. And they have a, a past tied together in the comics uh, less so than here because they're clearly meeting each other for the first time. There's – Well, okay. Let me, let, me, let me ask this question. Sure. Was that character – the swordsman in the comics. Yes. Yes. Okay. So like, if you'd have known, that's what I was just saying is he was a character who was a villain who eventually became an actual member of the Avengers. Who hasn't become a member of the Avengers? Well, for a long time, Superman, Batman, (laughs) (laughs) Thanos. Yeah. You're you're taking the easy answers there, Samantha. (laughs) Batman. So the whole thing here is they're trying to f- follow up on the business side of things and and see like what what kind of shenanigans is the swordsman up to? Although he's not the swordsman, he's Paul F. Tompkins to us. But <laughs> and and Hawkeye calls on one of his resources, which is his wife, and she lets him know that this business that they're investigating is. Tied into the big guy doing money laundering for the big guy. And this is where if we were recording this the week this came out, I'd be like, 
the big guy is someone that you don't know yet. The big guy is not the person you're thinking of. The big guy is clearly not anyone with a name that starts with W and F or K. You know, Wilson Fisk. King. That's not the big guy. That's what I'd be saying right now. But okay. we have hindsight. Would, Thanks for so. noticing. You would have said that, Ben. I, 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 I would no have. Doubt. And I probably would have said it pretty strongly. Yeah. I feel like you would have been like, no, 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 no. I would have been like, guys, then, guys, 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 just calm down, everyone. <laughs> just calm down. They're not doing that here. This is Hawkeye's thing. <laughs> and Stuart and I would have been bouncing off the walls. Yeah. Which is our Spider-Man turn off the dark reference for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, that's one of the, that's the name of one of the songs. Bouncing off the walls. Oh, oh that's right. Yes. Yeah. Bouncing off the walls. Yeah. So let's talk about the awkward family dynamic that you get with uh, Paul F. Tompkins, mom and Kate. <laughs> Because this scene after Hawkeye leaves is fantastic. Just wonderful. Kate's trying to say, hey, look into that business, mom, while Paul F. Tompkins is in the kitchen. And mom says, no, let's talk about parties. Help me plan a party, please. And then Paul of Tompkins comes back out of the kitchen and is like, I want to dance. <laughs> and he is super, super charming. Oh, my goodness. It's so, it's so low He's key. Schmoozy. It's so <laughs> funny. It's so cheese ball. But it's the kind of cheese ball right. I can see her falling for, you know? Part of the reason I think he's a bad guy is because he's so cheesy. He's so cheesy and he's so schmoozy and smarmy. And I'm like, dude, you can't be that real and cheesy at the same time. You have to pick one or the other. Well, yeah, we know what he picked. Yeah. And (laughs) so the moments are funny, but Kate is drawn into it. Like this is, this is the thing is, is even Kate's walls are coming down. As she's seeing her mom is happy. She's seeing her mom is laughing. Her mom is blushing. She's loving it. And yeah, which, which at this point, yeah, it's a tragedy because he's a bad guy. He is a bad guy, but who doesn't want to see their mom laugh? I mean, really? Especially after so much sadness and love. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I she, this was a. I mean, without all the looming shadows, this was actually a very sweet moment. It, it was. What was the line he? What was the the thing he messed up? Life is like. I really don't remember. Life is full of surprises. You never know what you're gonna get, or something. I think that's what it was. There's a couple yeah, different I things think that he, he, he yeah. messed up, but. Yeah, but like that's always endearing. Whenever a character messes up a couple colloquialism Uh, or a pronunciation (laughs) it's endearing (laughs) that's also endearing so Stuart, you just endeared yourself to everyone (laughs) oh 
<laughs> but from here, this is where Kat, Kate says, oh, family. You know who's not with family? Hawkeye's not with family. So she invades. <laughs> he's he's uh, wrapping himself up in, in vegetables from the freezer because he's hurting. He's old. <laughs> he's getting old, you know? Frozen vegetables. That that's important. <laughs> not, oh yeah, yeah. Bags he's not, he's not pulling out sticks of celery and and like taping them. To I'm his gonna arm. set my bone with these carrots here and. <laughs> <laughs> but before that, he has a phone call with uh, Velma from Scooby Doo. Well, we already talked about that, that phone she, call. Uh, but that's yeah. Oh, but and she's more than a housewife. So. That's all we need to know. Um. So the scene where Kate comes in and she's like, hey, I'm going to make your Christmas a little bit happier since you're not with your family. If you go back to episode one, when Clint is on the phone with uh, his wife and he's at the restaurant with his kids, he lists off all these things he wants to do with his kids. And it's everything that he and Kate do in this uh, in this part of the episode. It's the ugly Christmas party, the movies, putting up the tree. Everything he wanted to do, he does here with her. Yeah. Yeah. And and then she also wants to do some things with him, like make plans and talk about mm-hmm. things and um, figure out, like, what's the deal with, with the business. And this is where she writes on the poster the framed poster. So she's not writing directly on the poster. She's writing on the, the plastic or glass that is holding the posters in the frame. But he calls her out. Like, is, is that dry erase? And it's, it's not, it's not. There's a fix for that. He goes like, I like how he, he called out the fact that he's not the plan guy, you know? Yeah. Uh, I will say this. If you ever accidentally draw or write on something that the surface (laughs) itself would, lend itself to erasing a dry erase marker. Um, if you use a regular Sharpie on there, you won't be able to get it off with with just you know wiping it off. But go over it with a dry erase marker yes. and it will pick up the the stuff. It'll pick up the Sharpie. Yeah. So. You might have to leave it there for a minute or two, but afterwards you can just wipe it all away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like magic. It's pretty cool. I've used it before. Well, there you go. Yep. Do you have experience doing this, Ben? Oh, yes. In a classroom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, so it's a fun... And then... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and then we get to the to the, the the scene, the exchange that took over the internet for about an hour and a half. And what was that? The, the flipping of the coin. Ah, uh, yes. And it's... Again, it's fun moment. It's it's a poignant moment. All of this, it really sets up the relationship that they have. It sets up the relationship that they're going to have, and it sets up a believable partnership. Yeah. And you know what? Last night I watched uh, Batman Forever, and this is a much better Batman and Robin <laughs> than Chris O'Donnell <laughs> and Val Kilmer ever had in that movie. <laughs> Yet, yet, ladies and gentlemen, still, still can't watch Netflix shows. All right. So my, my, my kids asked if they could watch the original Batman movies as we are moving toward the, the Batman with, with uh, mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson or whatever his name is. 
And so, yeah, which means I am going to, in the next week or so, be watching Batman and Robin. Which now, now where did you start with the original, quote-unquote, Batman movies? Well, they had already seen the Adam West one. And so we started in okay. 1989 with, with uh, Tim Burton. My son and I had already watched, a while ago, the Nolan trilogy. Uh, and mm-hmm. so he's like, hey, I want to see the other ones. And so my, my daughters stayed in the room while we were watching them and, and put up with it. But How was Batman and uh, Batman Returns? I've heard that's like surprisingly stands up over time. You know what? Batman Returns, it actually it fits in with Hawkeye and Iron Man 3 as a Christmas movie. And as a superhero Christmas thing, Batman Returns, man, it doesn't hold up as well as, as it could, but does hold up better than it should. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's goofy and greasy and grimy and, and gross, but it also has some meaty stuff in it. And, you know, it's all about dual natures and, and, the mirror images of Catwoman, Batman, and Penguin, the way they reflect off each other is really interesting. And there's some really weird, awkward religious symbolism that's intentional and not accidental. And yeah, I really, really like that movie a lot. More than I should, maybe. A lot more than my son did. I'll put it that way. Maybe we should maybe it's because we have Batman Forever and Batman and Robin to compare it to. Well, yeah, that's just, which they messed up. They messed up big time. You know, Batman and Robin should have been the third one when you have Batman and Robin, because Mm -hmm. the fourth one has Batman, Robin and Batgirl, but it's only called Batman and Robin. And the fourth one should have been Batman forever. I mean, come on. Yeah. They really, really missed missed it. The (laughs) beneficial thing is, you know, the Adam West Batman, you can watch it, you can enjoy the cheesiness of it, and it's it's just of that era, and it's fun to watch anyways. Batman and Robin is so cringy. I recently went, um, a few months ago, I did a whole rewatch of the Batman movies, and I purposely skipped that one, because I, I was like, I, I can't do five minutes of this. Batman and Robin works better if you do look at it as they're trying to redo Adam West. And if you look at it that way, it works better. It doesn't mean it works. Don't get me wrong. But it does work better if you're looking at it and saying, oh, the cringe is on purpose. But yeah, I mean, Batman Forever opens up with Val Kilmer suits up. The Batmobile is ready to go. Alfred says, do you want a sandwich? And Val Kilmer says, I'll be getting takeout. Or no, drive through, drive through. Then he gets in the car, drives away. And like that, as soon as that happened, I just turned to my son and said, that's the movie you're in for. And yeah. And, and when it was done, my son was like, Jim Carrey was stupid in this movie. I hated him in this movie. He was almost angry at Jim Carrey. It was supposed to be Robin Williams. Would have been better. Well, that would have been a Tim Burton movie too, though. It would have been such a different but we're not on a DC 90s yeah, let's, podcast. Yeah, we need to get back <laughs> That's on true. track. <laughs> hey, let's talk about the best shot Hawkeye ever took. The one he didn't. Okay, talk about this, but then I want to talk about the actual framing of that shot. So, go. 
well, that's, I mean, we, we know what, we ta- what he's talking about. And this mm-hmm. whole conversation is him kind of just opening up a little bit about him and, and Natasha. But the best shot was the one he didn't take, which was in where? Black Widow. No, no, the place. <laughs> like they, they showed it in the movie Black Widow, but. Oh, I don't remember. It's, uh, it, oh, uh, uh, um, Budapest. Yeah, you might, you and I remember Budapest very differently. Yeah, yeah. Which clearly they did because it's not nearly as exciting as what they made it seem <laughs> like it was going to be. Because he didn't take the shot, and then they ran away together and hid in the subway. And there was still some fighting, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, Natasha is a ghost in this series in the same way that Clint was a ghost in the Black Widow movie. Ooh, I never made that connection. Good yeah. job. No, it's it's definitely there. And that's one of my frustrations is both of these movies, well, this show and that movie are about that relationship that they have, or at least that's a big part of it. And yet we never see them together. Yeah. But I think that's part of the tragic nature of that friendship and that relationship. I mean, because if we would have seen them together to do a buddy cop, Mr. and Mrs. Smith type of show, Batman and Robin, Black Widow and Hawkeye. I don't know that it would pay off as much as having just those few moments in the Avengers and then in Ultron and then in, he wasn't in infinity war. And so, and then just a little bit in Endgame. I think it really makes those, those moments shine. And then we get to see the repercussions of it. I didn't ever want to see Clint in Black Widow, but I'm glad that he was there in the background. And I'm glad the audience was able to say, oh, yeah, Budapest. I know what that's about. So I would have preferred to see him in the flashbacks. When when mm. you know they're talking about Budapest and they're instead we just get her talking about it. Don't get me wrong. They weren't doing they weren't violating show. Don't tell because right. it was her. And uh, Elaine, is that her name? Elena? Elena. Yeah. It was them. And we're seeing their relationship. We're seeing, you know, we're seeing the traces of what had happened in the past. The holes in the wall, the the marks, <laughs> the tic-tac-toe on the wall. But, yeah. It, you're right, though, uh, Samantha. I like the way you put that of, of, you know, they're both ghosts in each other's shows or movie. Yeah. 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 So the the shot, this whole scene, they've been building Hawkeye as a strong character and Kate as sort of like a weaker character. Not to say that they are stronger and weaker, but they've kind of been having Hawkeye be in a, a position of prominence. You know, he's decorating the tree, showing how to flip the coin, all of that sort of stuff. And she's like this plucky kid. And then after she goes, what's the best shot you ever took? And it's, he goes, it's the shot I didn't take. And then he sort of puts a stop on that conversation. The next shot, he is super, not super small, but he's small in the frame. He's hunched over. He's really trying to be uncomfortable and tiny. She, because of where the camera is placed, is larger in the frame and takes up more of the prominence. It's almost like that's the shift in the storytelling mechanism between his show 
to her show, or at least in that night conversation. I think they still do it a couple more times in the show, but it's it was something I was watching recently, and it just struck me is that he became very small when he started talking about Natasha and and that hurt that he obviously feels, and she became larger in the story at that moment. Uh, there you go. Yeah, that was what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> no, I like that. I, I, I. To me, it's a definitely a physical visual of of their relationship. You know, he is at that point cutting himself off from her. You know, and and choosing to like we're going to stop here. You know, and and then from there we get movie flashbacks. You know, he, yeah, <laughs> he. Uh, has the dream or whatever they, he, he talks about the blip. He talks about, he's talking with her about these, some of these things and, you know, but yeah, we get the, the movie flashbacks and some deleted scenes. Is it? No, oh. <laughs> but it's, it's flash. It's so like the, the scene obviously on where Natasha falls to her death and they get the stone. That's a that's a movie scene, and then the blip scene. That's a movie scene. But there was one shot or a couple of shots of him being Ronin, and it wasn't oh, the okay. one take from uh, Infinity War or Endgame. It wasn't the one take from Endgame. Yeah, I like that because one of my problems with with uh, with him being Ronin is I would like to have seen more of it. Obviously, mm-hmm. in an ensemble piece, you have you have to pick and choose what you can actually take the time to show. But here, there we are getting to see repercussions and, and consequences. I agree with you that I would have liked to have seen more Ronin, but at the same time, I think what we saw was very well done, and it it almost gave us more than we had at the time. So it, it spun off all of these extra things. And so when, like when she picks up the, the, the costume, the Ronin costume at the, at the underground thing that happened in the first episode that has weight to it. And, and all it was, was one little shot in Endgame, And so it was able to spin off this entire series and that's powerful. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're not going to find that in Batman. Well, you might, <laughs> But not you Val might. Kilmer's Batman or George <laughs> not Clooney. Not Val Kilmer's or George Clooney's Batman. <laughs> Honestly, but not that's... Tim Burton's Batman either. I mean, that's just not the kind of, no. of things was going on there. No, but... but like that's – I think that's what makes the MCU this really – this whole MCU thing, 23 movies and countless TV shows, that's what makes it really special is that there's these little moments that get to be spun off into this entire television series. Oh, my one major thing I wanted to talk about the scene. I wanted to talk about the Robin Hooding with an arrow conversation. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much about archery, but I do actually have a little bit of insight and physical evidence in actually in the very room where I'm sitting right now. What they're talking about is shooting an arrow, having it hit a target, and then have a second arrow hit it exactly like in the tail. When you have a uh, wooden shaft, it, yes, you can split it in twine, as it's as they say in Robin Hood Men in Tights. But when you have a metallic shaft, probably most likely like aluminum, 
you can, in fact, do the same thing. It doesn't split it in half, but you do end up with a super long arrow. <laughs> and my husband took archery when he was going to college and as, a, as an elective. And he did that during that semester, and he still he kept that arrow. And I have it with me, and I gave you guys some photos. And there's also the argument of, oh, why didn't Kate do this? I'm sure she's done this quite a few times herself. But the thing is, the audience doesn't really know that you can do this thing. So that's why they had her ask, oh, can you really do that? Was she talking about arrows in motion, though? I thought she was talking about Robin Hooding an arrow. I, which I is exactly what I just described, which yeah, was... Yeah. Hitting an, an, you know, using it, an arrow that's already been shot as the target to hit. I thought she was talking about firing two arrows. Like hmm. you fire the one and then you hit it with another one. But no, maybe, I, maybe it I is thought, after it hits the target. I don't know. No, I thought it was specifically using an arrow as as the target itself that you want to hit. Because they catch the scene catches them in the middle of this conversation... And she says, you can really do that. And he says, yes, but only with wooden arrows. So you can really only split the arrow in half with another arrow if the shaft is made of wood. But if you have a metallic shaft, you can still hit the arrow. It's just not going to do the exact same thing. And if you're Robin Hood, you can just do it on command. Yeah. It's so good. And really what Hawkeye's talking about is the time he dressed up as a stork. <laughs> and went off to have the Golden Arrow tournament. And so he he shot the arrow, but then the sheriff knocked him out. And so he had to shoot another arrow to get the other arrow to hit the the sheriff's already gotten arrow. But it was an ill-gotten game. That's really what they were talking about. I'm sorry to, to lay that down. Or maybe he's talking about the time he accidentally shot an android in the stomach. Or was that... Was that <gasps> That's the second... Good job, Ben. So I haven't been able to watch Netflix, but I have been watching through all the Q episodes of Star Trek Next Generation in in preparation for Picard. (laughs) Is that next week? It is March. That's about next week. Next week or the week after. It's next week. Coming up pretty quick. I saw an ad for it today. It's next it is next week. So let's talk about some of these missions that we have going on. Missions. Uh, first mission is we have to get some arrows from police evidence. And so that means that Kate has to go and talk to LARPers and convince them to break the law and steal things out of the police <laughs> evidence. The other mission is Clint gets a text while he's talking to the LARPers that the watch is still this watch that was supposed to be in the Avengers compound is still sending out a signal. It's still out there. It wasn't destroyed. And now he needs to get it. So this is all about getting things from the past and and taking care of things in the present that might cause problems because of the past. We don't know what the watch is for. We don't know what, what the deal is with the watch. But uh, they're going after it. I know Generally, what to a watch in-game. is used to tell time. Just putting that out there. Yeah, usually. Unless you're Val Kilmer, usually. and then you use it to talk to Alfred. Can we please also just give up on those movies? 
I'm sorry. It's They're just, dead and done. It's my uh, current frame of reference from recent no. pop culture consumption. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have been consuming non-MCU stuff recently, but you don't hear me talking about Korean dramas, okay? <laughs> if they had a watch that you use for something other than telling time, then maybe we would. Maybe you would say something. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, in those series, it would have been product placement. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the second mission, which is Kate just goes into the place where they where the watch is. She looks around. She sees strobe lights. She shoots a, an arrow at it. And then they realize, oh, wait a minute. That strobe light is an alarm for someone who can't hear. Well, who could that be? It's Maya. This is Maya's house. They also find some notes about Clint. That's ominous. It's about his family and his life. And so while Kate's in the apartment trying to find the watch, which she does find, she gets attacked and she talks on the the radio to Hawkeye to tell him, hey, Maya's here. I'm getting attacked. And he's saying, yeah, Maya's here because we hear that there's a fight going on there. And so we get this pretty cool a uh, three-party fight where you have Kate and Hawkeye versus Maya. And then you also have this person clad in black with, with night vision goggles also fighting. And this is where we see, <gasps> it's Black Widow, but not Natasha. So, oh, gee, okay, who this could reveal, it be? guys. Hmm. It was the most. Was it? Re- I, I I put biggest, not a surprise ever, but still a cool moment. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, because I think now we're expecting, like as fans of the MCU, we're expecting big reveals to be people we know. Well, we're waiting for her to show up because Elaine talked to her at Natasha's gravesite at the end of Black Widow, and said, "Hey." You want to get the guy who killed Natasha? Right. Here's a picture. And then that movie ends on a picture of, of Hawkeye, you know, like, and so we know that Yelena is coming after Hawkeye. They're going to, they're Mm -hmm. going to meet. And so was it a surprise that it happened here this moment? Yes, because you didn't know exactly who it was, but I had a suspicion of who it might be. And so was it a surprise? Yes and no. Was it cool? Yeah, it was. Does it, where is it going to take the story? We don't know yet. Although we do know because we've seen the whole series. I, I had fun with it. I liked it. It may not have been the most surprising thing ever. It may not have been red skulls showing up on, is it Voromir? Something like that. Yeah. Red skull showing up and, and doing, you know, being there in, in Endgame, but, it's still fun, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, we knew it was coming because of that movie post credit, but the other thing that this does story wise is it takes things to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. There is a black, someone hired a black widow assassin to come after me. And so now they've already done this other stuff, but now he's going to listen to mom, you know? And once he realizes this is very bad, this is, this is, rough this is all the things that 
Kate's mom didn't want her involved in. He lets her go falling off the building, which is, you know, we're referencing the whole situation on, on Voromir, uh, where he lets, well, he doesn't let Black Widow go, but Black Widow falls because she was holding his hand and, and she let go. But now things are real. Things are very real. And he's going to listen to mom. He doesn't want anything to do with Kate with all this mission stuff. And it sets up a really nice conflict between the two of them. As we move forward in, in the story, we have two episodes after this. How is this going to go? What is that, that phrase theory term idea in writing where you're just, I guess it's building drama. You're just adding layers of drama to see how the characters react and, and, and you got to resolve all of yeah, them, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what the phrase that you're thinking of is, but the concept is, you know, what's the next thing that can go wrong? What, what's going to mm-hmm. go wrong next? And what builds drama is even when things go right, because something went right, something's going to go wrong, you know? And so you have them have this moment of, uh, you know, camaraderie in the Christmas party scene. And that's great. Things are going right for them (laughs) and the relationship is getting stronger. And this episode was all about building that relationship. And then coming to this point here at the end of the episode where he says, no more, this is real. This is bad. And I don't want you near me because I have a big target on my chest from a black widow assassin. Now, isn't the watch out, for that, the fact you you build too much drama and too much tension, you can't get out of it. Yeah, yeah. Or the the resolution isn't satisfying because there's so much right. going on, and yeah, yep. That's the expanse. Sorry, I had something in my throat. Uh, there. <laughs> I I felt like the expense ended ended well. I, the book series. Mm. I, I haven't watched the series. I sure. would only complain about that if this was the season finale or the series finale. You mean this episode? But, yeah, but this is just episode four of six, so I was, Right, right, right. And I'm not yeah. I, I guess I'm not complaining about it too much. I just there comes a point when if you're adding too much drama, you're not gonna get out of it. You know, if you're but I don't think we got to that point. I think having uh Yelena show up right when she did was just perfect for it. And we can move forward. Well, and this is technically for us, if this was a a movie, a single story, this is the act two break, right? Mm-hmm. This is when things yeah. are the worst that they can get for our characters. And now they're going to move into act three, which is all about getting to that resolution, patching up relationship, taking care of MacGuffins and, and winning the day. Like that's what and we're figuring heading out who the bad guy is or who, or who the big guy is rather. And that totally tracks with this, with this episode, right? Having a widow on your tail is probably the worst it can be. Oh, but wait, now there's also Maya. Well, so, and, and not only that, they need each other in order to succeed, mm-hmm. but now there's a rift between mm-hmm. the two of them. And so you have conflict mm-hmm. with each other. You have conflict with these outside sources you have conflict with family. I mean, 
this episode ends and you have conflict with everyone going wrong, going bad. And yes. So is this our act two break? Absolutely. Things will still get worse before they get better, but we're definitely, this is where we start that upward trajectory. That's my prediction. And that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we know. Right. Right. <laughs> so, Not that we know because we've seen about a billion different things and we just, we're, we understand the plot. <laughs> You call that the plot. Well, but like, to be fair, we're able to analyze that because we have seen the end of the series. Yes. Or end of the season, right? In the middle of that, I think we were still going, Paul F. Tompkins is bad. I don't know why he's still here. What's going on <laughs> with not him? doing a good job that's with true. our spoiler policy on Paul F. Tompkins. I just want to say that right now. Hey, that's not the big spoiler for the finale, too. That's not. No, it is not at all. <laughs> There's a lot bigger stuff happening and, and things that I was not expecting just because I was saying no to everything that everyone was saying on the internet. And then the internet was like, hey, Ben, you're wrong. And we're all right. We're all right. I'm just glad we're I was able to get to these right. episodes before uh, the things started showing up. Like like this with uh, with the Black Widow, with Yelena showing up. I didn't know when she was going to show up. I had hoped it would come sooner. So when she shows up, like I said, it's, it's the biggest non-surprise because I was expecting it to happen. I was just waiting for it to happen. And so it's like, you know what some of your Christmas gifts are going to be. My mom knows every Christmas she's going to get a box of chocolate covered cherries because she's gotten a box of chocolate covered cherries from me <laughs> for 43 years. <laughs> and so she knows, but is it going to be regular or is it going to be vanilla flavored? You know, like, or the dark ones the or the dark. Ones. There's van- there's vanilla flavored chocolate covered cherries. Yeah. It's actually technically it was vanilla cola flavor, I think. But, oh, and they were good. Don't get me wrong. They were good. I have not seen those. <laughs> I mean, I got that, that same box of co- chocolate covered cherries from my grandma until she passed away. So I have not. Are, we're talking about the Queen Anne's chocolate covered cherries. Oh yes, right? yeah, the cordials. Yes. Yep. Okay. The, yep. Okay. And uh, one year they did like six different flavors, and I got her one of each. You know, she's Ooh, expecting nice. the chocolate covered cherries, but you don't know when or what is really going to come. <laughs> and this is I was expecting Elena, but I didn't know when. You know, and I'm glad I got to the episode before. Uh, the internet was able to to spoil it for me because I like experiencing those things. I know some people say spoilers don't matter. They don't matter, but it's, it is fun to experience those things and to, you know, let the things happen and be surprised by them and let, and have the emotional response to the story that the creators are hoping for you to have. And that's why we take the strong spoiler stance where we're not going to, yeah, as much as possible. <laughs> Spoil. Like, uh, if we haven't done an episode about Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, then we're not going to spoil <laughs> Spider-Man oh, Turn Off the no. Dark. Please, no. No. I'm not showing up for that episode. You watched it, though, didn't you? It. I watched part. I watched, like, the first 10, 15 minutes of it, and I was like, oh, this is terrible. Okay. How on earth did he even Listen make it to Listen to the album on Spotify, though. If you can uh, find I, the album, yeah. listen okay. to the album. It's Bono. It's The Edge. It's good music. And 
But yeah. the the script was. It, it, so it, listeners, no. we mm. promise we will not spoil a Broadway show that you haven't seen <laughs> or have no ability right, to or, see. Right, or cannot see unless you watch a really bad uh, pirated uh, video YouTube on YouTube. So, you know, that, someone did that with their phone. Been, <laughs> <laughs> that video has been up for years, and if you notice, no one's taken it down. <laughs> That's the only it's way we get to see years. it. And and yeah. that wasn't the one that I had seen. So when you sent us that link, it was a, a different recording than the one that I saw. I think it was three years ago, two years ago. Oh, okay. Man, when mm-hmm. that album came out that summer, I downloaded it immediately. I pre-ordered it, downloaded it immediately. I'm like, Spider-Man, Bono, The Edge, they made this for me. But I never went to New York to see it, which I would have loved to. Apple Music. Okay, we need to close this episode down. We have gotten to the length of the actual episode, maybe a little bit past that. But uh, what's left in your notes that you would like to talk about before we close things down and do a little trailer talk in our post-credit? I want to rewatch Endgame to see if Clint is bringing a watch at all in that movie. That is not part of the time device. <laughs> but I can do that later on my own time. I'll take a break from all those Korean dramas to watch Endgame again. <laughs> okay. Uh, I really... I'm enjoying this show. I think Hawkeye is one of the uh, more human um, Avengers. And I... and. I'm glad that he got a show to sort of experience what it's like to be a human. I would like to thank our Patreon patrons, Jeffrey, Tazzle, Blessed Cheesemaker, 084, Julie, and Andrew. Thank you all so very much. And I want to say thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone, who has left reviews. And we'd love to see some more... uh, um, more reviews that are more up to date because it's been a little while since people have left new reviews uh, about the podcast. But uh, yeah, if you like the podcast, please leave a review for us wherever you listen to your podcast. We really, really appreciate that. And um, yeah. And, and, you know, just, just knowing that you're listening though, it's, it's, it makes this worth doing. It also makes it worth doing Stuart, Samantha, that, um, that we get to just talk about this kind of stuff and have fun geeking out together yep you know and and sometimes sometimes samantha and Stuart, you guys say some things that are are really i don't know what's the word i'm looking for um smart yeah you know sometimes i just can't help but but sit back and think you know you seem like you're reasonably not a stupid guy Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard from us, now we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us voicemail by calling 1-775-5-LEVEL-7. That's 1-775-553-8357. Or send us an email to studioavery at gmail.com. You can also go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback and leave us a message there. Or join us on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash welcometolevel7. The seven is spelled out. 
And don't forget, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash welcome to level seven, the seven is spelled out, and become a Patreon supporter there. Once again, thanks so much for listening and Godspeed. Is that appreciated or not? Was that not a compliment? Nice, is that, is that, <laughs> well, you're reasonably not stupid, Ben. That's. <laughs> I I I thought when I heard it, like, oh, that's that's good. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let Samantha and Stuart know, like that, that this is, you know, let, let them know how 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 I feel. <laughs> no, doesn't doesn't work as a no. Comp- okay, okay, sorry. By the way, it's the best line of the episode, though. I do have to say, to me anyway. True. Spider Man Turn Off the Dark is not on Apple Music. It's not. There's a couple of tracks, a couple of tracks on the compilation CDs, but not the full album. Hmm. I know it's on Spotify, and you can listen to Spotify for free. You don't have to have a, yeah. an account, you'll just get some ads if you do. We'll figure it out. Yeah. All right, trailer talk. Uh, since we recorded last, there's been a trailer for Doctor Strange in the Mouth of Madness. Multiverse of Madness, I know, I know. not Mouth. Well, Mouth of Madness is what they're riffing on with uh, H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, okay. That's good to know. I think, right? Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, there's a Sam Neill movie that might have had that title. I might be getting mixed up. I'm going to look it up, but let's talk about this trailer. There's a lot going on and I'm not sure how much, uh, we want to. Oh, and the poster, the poster was released the same day. Which was the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I want to talk about the poster too. (sighs) That poster guys. What? Okay. So the Lovecraft story is called at the mountains of madness. The movie that kind of riffed on that a little bit was called in the mouth of madness. And then you have into the multiverse of madness with uh, Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. It also looks like there is a big giant Cthulian object that he's fighting in the streets of, of New York. So it could be any of that. Yeah. Well, we're, we're definitely going to get some Lovecraft style horror. I, I think, yeah. uh, which is just, you know, the Lovecraft horror is just the things that are so alien mm-hmm. that it would, it would drives you mad to see. And yeah. Uh, what was uh, the and Sam col- Raimi color from outer is, space? I was going to say and they... Sam Raimi horror. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Sam Raimi is good in it. I'm going to be honest. The one thing I want in this entire movie and I don't care how it happens, but Bruce Campbell had better be in this movie. <laughs> well, he's not in the trailer. I don't, so. I, well, true. And the car. I, the car has to show up, too. It's like that, what car? There's that... that um, okay, so in the Tobey Maguire movie, the first one, Uncle Ben drives this yellow car. Uh-huh. 
that's Sam Raimi's car that he personally owns, and it shows up in every single movie. Yes, that needs to happen, and then Bruce Campbell needs to be in it. Yes. Does he need to be the the boxing or the fight announcer? No. Does he need to be Mephisto? No. No. Although, that would work. <laughs> that would work really, would. really well. Oh, yes. That would. And it would not be the first time he's played the devil either. Because he, when he did the, his guest appearance in the X-Files, well, he wasn't a the devil, but he was playing a demon. And he did a great job. So, so yeah, he here's would. the thing. You got this trailer. <laughs> it's big. It's huge. There are so many things going on in this trailer. And there's a lot of things that some people want to stay away from it. They want to stay away from the spoilers. I don't know how you can possibly stay away from spoilers if you're on any kind of social media or looking at any kind of pop culture Channels, And by that, I mean social media, but also websites and YouTube and all these different places that you can find out about pop culture. Good grief. Good luck. To be honest, if you've stayed away this long and we're the first you're hearing of this, you're actually probably okay. (laughs) Don't go searching for it, but it's not going to invade your feed. We will have moved on. Well, and and anything we're talking about here, we – I, I just want to give fair warning. You might as well, if you're trying to avoid spoilers, actual spoilers, yeah. fair warning here. Just go ahead and stop listening. You're not going to miss out on anything except for spoilerish stuff here until the end of the episode. So thank you for listening. Godspeed. And now let's talk a little bit, not too much, but a little bit about some of the chatter that's that's going on around about this. I want to talk about the chatter we had recently about this, about the poster. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so there is a character on the poster. It's very, very tiny, but it's in one of the little shards you see in the poster. The picture, the image is kind of grainy because it's a small portion of this giant poster. And you guys said it was, oh, I can't remember, Ms. Marvel... No, no, You you guys were saying it was her, but I I looked at it and was like... It's the Union Jack... On a shield, and it's Captain Carter. And then no, and then later, uh, you guys shared this little fragment of an of an someone's face, and it's a black character. That's not from the poster. That's from the actual trailer. Is it okay? Because yeah, there's this uh, flying, flaming thing. Uh, That's not a female character because this character has a goatee. Well, I don't know. It's really hard to tell. All I know is he's wearing armor. And there's a lot of energy going on that looks flamey, but isn't necessarily flames. Uh, and it's yeah, it but- happens fast in the trailer. Uh, and so there's people saying, could be this, could be that, could be this, could be that. Um, yeah, it's and it's, uh, um, it's, it's Mo- not Monica from um, WandaVision. Because, yes, I hear, have it right here. Stuart. What what was the younger Rambo's name in WandaVision, and could that be her? And then you shared this image, and then I went back later. I, then I shared a picture of Wanda, and I was like, that doesn't ex- exactly look like her. But I went back and I looked at the image that Stuart shared, and I'm like, this guy has a goatee. There's no way that is Monica. Fine. 
You know, I mean, here's here's the chatter that's going on about that character, though. I mean, before we got a closer look, it, the question I, I some people were saying, could that be? Is that Johnny Storm? Is that uh, Iron Man from another universe? Is that Tom Cruise? Superior Iron, yeah, yeah, just all sorts of things. And bottom line is, we don't know. I've also seen people say, is it is it King, the Conqueror? You know, and who we saw, uh, who is supposed to be the main villain in uh, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania, and who is played by the same guy who played the guy at the end of of Loki. And well, we didn't know he was going to be in Loki. He could show up here too. He he could. That, that's just it. Like it's like we know he's going to be in in Ant Man and the Wasp, but this this it's a multiverse, and so anything can happen. Anything can will happen. People could show up, and some people with very recognizable voices could show up. Or it could be someone who is using a voice that sounds a lot like the very recognizable voice, which is what the very recognizable voice says happened. He says it's not him that you're hearing or seeing. Oh, we just went through this with Andrew Garfield. Come on. This See, that's- is not what we did. This is, it's not exactly the same. It's just very similar. And the question is, who can we trust? Well, Andrew Garfield... I'm sorry, but he's less trustworthy than than this person that we're talking about. <laughs> than Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Or it could be Loki. It could be Loki. It, so it, it could, could be, be James McAvoy. It could be James McAvoy. I mean, you've got two actors to choose from if you're going to bring in Professor X. But the that definitely stirred up a lot of stuff. My thing was, I think he could be telling the truth. It wasn't his voice that you heard. It doesn't mean he's not in the movie. It just means that they might have brought in someone else to do that line for the trailer, and, but that line's not actually in the movie. And so he's telling the truth. It wasn't me. So or or Patrick Stewart's a lying liar who lies. You do. Ooh. No. Let's not. Oh, Samantha, I'm going to need you to take that tone down just a minute there are a lot and, of people uh, andrew garfield is also a lying liar who lies but you know what if, if that's sh- true mm. they have very good motivations because they want fans to be surprised but well here's the thing i don't know why he would lie about this one because it's right there you see true. an ear that oh, looks like his you see a point. head that looks like his you hear a voice that sounds like his but he's still playing the game and saying it's not me. That's a good. That's voice. the one reason why I think he might be telling the truth, is because there's no reason for him to lie about it at this point. Hmm. So or here's Marvel's the playing a game because now they know yes. that they can keep all the fans on their toes. Yes. If you think that Mar that what you see in the trailer is actually going to happen in the movie. We have to have a serious conversation about media literacy because I'm going to show you the Winter Soldier trailer and then I'm going to have you watch the movie and you're going to go, that's not what was in the trailer. I'm going to be like, yes, because this is what Marvel do. This is how this is what they do. It's very unfortunate that your conversation about media literacy is that the media lies to you. Like, that's just really sad that we. Well, (laughs) it I, I mean. <laughs> Let's well, not Marvel go that lies far to down. us. Marvel lies to us all the time. Yeah. Do we not remember 
what, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, when we were watching trailers for Spider-Man No Way Home and there was a, a lizard getting kicked and people were like, there's no Spider-Man kicking that lizard. And then we all went to the movie and said, I see you there getting kicked, lizard, by Spider-Man. I think it was see, actually Andrew Garfield lying, who's though. doing the kicking. So lying is you don't saying... You see that as lying? Lying is saying, uh, it's not me. Lying is saying, I'm not there. Lying is saying, I'm not in it. Hiding, uh, so that it can be revealed later, is very different than that. That's wrapping up a present and not telling your child what's in it. They see the box, they can shake it and hear the Lego inside. So something in there is, is shaking and rattling. But it's not a lie to say, I'm not going to tell you what's in there. You know what I mean? Now, Endgame trailers showing the Incredible Hulk running or <laughs> Infinity War, uh, like that's that's a little bit different. Where that's the intentional. It's not misdirection. It's we are going to go ahead and render an entire scene so that we can trick you. And it's not even again, it's not even a necessary trick. Like they didn't even have to. They didn't have to show that scene. What's funny about that one is that's probably like a concept art that somebody fully rendered, right? When I bring up the Winter Soldier trailer, it's very clearly Robert Redford talking to Steve Rogers, Captain America. It's very like that's what that's what the the intention of the thing is. And in reality, what happened was Shield fell and Hydra invaded and and our show got crazy and it was amazing right so hiding is fine however we want to call that but i i consider the winter soldier a straight up lie (laughs) not that i'm not here for it (laughs) i'm absolutely here for it but i i don't think it was um because if you presented winter soldier in the trailer as to what the movie was you would give away the movie Right. And so that's the one thing. Some movies do the trailer and say, here's everything because Mm -hmm. we want you to come and see this movie. And the best scene happens in the climax. So we're going to show you the end of the movie because we Mm -hmm. want you to to think this is the greatest thing ever. Mm -hmm. Marvel doesn't have to do that. No, Marvel wants you to know the movie's coming, but they don't have to do that. They're just going to say, "Hey, here's here's some stuff here, and we want to keep we want to keep the ending a secret. We want to keep everything a secret. Mm-hmm. So we'll just have to wait and see and, what happens. And if the lizard gets kicked in the head by <laughs> and he gets digitally taken out, fine. If if Sir Patrick Stewart's in it or not, that's fine too. I, I've heard I've heard rumors that Wolverine's going to be in it, and I'm like, really, guys? I mean, sure, I'm here for it, but come on." I just and again this is this is me. I did not expect them and still wonder like what does this mean for the MCU prime? Like I to me I think it's a mistake to bring in all of the X-Men that already pre-exist and and bring that in and say it's MCU now, you know? Mhm. In one movie. 
You spread that out well, over time. No, I, I don't think you should even spread it out. I, I think that the right impulse here is to say that happened and it's good. They ended on a super high note. See, that's what Patrick Stewart was saying. Like, if you read his comments, he's saying, I'm done with being Professor X. When I did Logan, I cried because yeah. I was saying goodbye to this character. And if I hadn't done Logan, I would totally be game for doing this. Again, he could be lying. I don't know why he would need to lie right now when the trailer itself is out there and they are and and everyone who sees the trailer says that's him that's him why is he lying now you know the nda can only go so far does it mean when the movie comes out ah it wasn't me (laughs) he didn't see me yes it said my name in the credits but it's not you know it, it just doesn't make sense so anyway to me it's a mistake when they were able to finally end it so well logan ended that X-Men universe in such a perfect way in a way that they couldn't do with, with any of the other X-Men movies where they tried to end it, you know, it just didn't work. Um, And so here you have him saying, I I don't want to go back to that because it was, you know, so I I feel like we needed to start over. It needed fresh start, new X-Men for a new, a new generation. And this is where the fan service is actually, I think a disservice in some ways. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see when it comes out, you know, maybe I'll be changing my tune. It, it's, it's possible. Now I, Patrick Stewart's uh, statement aside, I don't, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. I could see an alternate professor X played by Patrick Stewart yeah. as a one-off. Here we go. You know, he's part of the multiverse Illuminati or whatever. Right. Yeah. And that's his out too. He says, I right. finished with that character, but I'm not, I'm just getting started with this one. <laughs> you know, like I, <laughs> Right. This. Right. Yeah. And so like, I could totally see that being a thing and you have James McAvoy be, you know, the, the MCU professor X or whatever. The thing about the multiverse is it's so expansive and it's limitless and it's going to take very smart creators to rein it in and have something cohesive. Yeah, that's very true. And that's why, to me, allowing the mutants to start fresh and new in the MCU mm-hmm. and, and and onboard, this is an onboard opportunity. Um. But if this is a one-off here in the Multiverse of Madness, or if this is the kind of thing that's going to get people angry, like having Quicksilver in in uh, WandaVision, eh. if they're trolling, uh, if they if they pull off a good troll like they did with with Quicksilver, I'm I'm there, I'm in, I I will be, yeah, I'm I, I'm happy. You I'll be were happy okay with that. with that? Oh, I was what? more than okay, okay with Ralph Boner. I was more than okay with that. I thought it was genius. And yeah, the fact that he was just some rando, like even more genius to me. I, I I was there for it. Yep. What if it is Mm -hmm. Patrick Stewart? um, And you're right that they are basically rebooting the mutant, the, the X-Men and Patrick Stewart shows up sort of like how Leonard Nimoy showed up in the new Star Trek movies. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So, like, Leonard Nimoy shows up and says, hey, I'm here, 
but I'm going to stay away because I, you know, we're, we're going to mess up these timelines or whatever, but you know, but I'm here, you can ask me questions and then I'm going to tell you the secret to the second movie, but I'm not going to go that far. The secret of the ooze. Um, <laughs> oh, wrong second movie. Sorry. Wrong mutants. <laughs> Still not the Netflix shows. Uh, um, I haven't watched those movies. <laughs> it's been decades since I've seen those. Uh, right, but the connection being Matt Murdock. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, so, yes, have, Le- have Patrick Stewart be there in very specific, very small s- situations, and then go from there. But... To have him reprise his role as Professor X absolutely diminishes everything Logan was. You remember no. when we saw the trailer for Logan, Ben? Vaguely. We got on the we got on recording and it was like right after it dropped, and we we're like, "What is this movie?" Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it would diminish. I mean, if he shows up and he's in one or two scenes in the Illuminati. That wouldn't diminish. What I'm saying is if he shows up and he's full on like, hey, I'm Professor X again and I'm going to be in an entire movie. They're going to hang a lamp. They're going to hang a whole movie on me. I mean that he was Professor X from 2000 because that's when the first X-Men movie came out. Yeah. But I, I agree. If he shows up and he's in one or two scenes in this movie... And that's it. And we don't see him in the mm-hmm. MCU anymore. It would not diminish Logan at all. No. That no, was no, no. I think beautiful that'd, performance. I think that'd be perfect. You know what diminished Logan? Yeah. Honestly, Dark Phoenix. That's what diminished Logan. Yeah. It just... It, Logan was a perfect ending, recently. and then you do Dark Phoenix, and it's just like, all right, whatever. And you know, the Dark Phoenix saga is actually one of my favorite X-Men storylines, and they still have not been able to get that right on screen. For the big screen. And that well, really upsets me. They've had two chances at it. I, I don't want them to revisit it. And they will. <laughs> yeah. They will. But if they do it, New they better Mutants, do it right I this thought, time. I thought New Mutants was really good. Yeah. And if that's the way oh, that sort of mutant saga, you know, that version of the mutants ends, I'm okay with that too. Wait, I haven't finished that series. I thought you were talking about the new X-Men animated series that was out. Like no, 10, I'm talking about the movie. Mo- okay. New Mutants of the movie. I, speaking of I series, though, I have not finished Le- Legion. Oh, I haven't either. I haven't seen the last season. Are you surprised I haven't finished it? <laughs> All right, no. well, but it's time for us to be recording, and I'm going to uh, go watch Babylon 5 now. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. You know what? Actually, I'm I think I hear my husband. That. He's he's in the living room right now, and he's watching it too. <laughs> what Babylon Five? Yeah, really. I've been uh, he, going back and he, revisiting he, it. So yeah, that's the one show he will rewatch every year. It's fantastic. That, it's yeah. so dense, though. Yeah, but so good. But it's great. It's yeah. it is good. All right. So it is time for us to close this down. So thank you everyone so much for listening, spending time with us as we have been uh, geeking out together. And until next time, Godspeed. Godspeed.